0: Hello, I'm Michelle Tassaneri, your host for the California Staffing Professionals Visionary Thinkers podcast, a series promoting excellence in the staffing and recruiting industry. In this podcast, we meet visionary thinkers and talk with them about their career and journey into staffing and recruiting. Along the way, we learn everything from how they started to where they are now. We uncover what inspired them and who helped them along the way. We dive into what challenges they've overcome and gain insight into how to be successful in the staffing I know you'll enjoy listening to these inspiring stories. Thank you for joining us, and if you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. Today on CSP's Visionary Thinkers podcast, we have Katherine Shepard, president of the Focus Agency. After attending Geneva College, Katherine began her career in an APF 60 staffing agency in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She moved to California opened the first office for a Midwestern agency, and three years later, opened her own direct hire firm, The Focus Agency, specializing in the commercial landscape industry. Catherine was the first state president for the California Staffing Professionals. She currently serves on CSP's State Board Strategic Planning and Contract Negotiations Committee. She has chaired several owners-only retreats and annual conferences, and in 2004, she received the James R. Pierce Lifetime Achievement Award, Catherine has certifications as a CPC, a CSP, and a CERS.
1: Thank you for having me, and thank you for that kind introduction.
2: <laughs> it doesn't even do you justice because, I mean, the list of all the things you've done too, and out in the community, I'm just so proud because you've, you've been a volunteer on the trauma team, Northridge, Northridge Hospital, uh, you've been a Rotarian, and you've served in muscular dystrophy, just all the list just goes on and on. Not to mention your affinity for doggies, four-legged friends, especially those German shepherds that you love so much. And um, Mm -hmm. it's been a pleasure getting to know more about you and preparing for this podcast. Before staffing, you came from Pennsylvania or did you go to college in Pennsylvania? You came out to to California after graduating college and and starting in your career. Uh, Where did you start out?
1: Well, Michelle, I was actually raised in Ohio, so I'm a Midwest girl, and then went to college in Pennsylvania outside of Pittsburgh, Geneva College, which my mother graduated from as well. And that's where I met my boyfriend, who is now my husband for many, 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 many years. And then after college, with a major in psychology, feeling many companies would be Lucky to have me. And then no one, of course, wanted to hire someone out of college who didn't type at the time that was a female with a psychology major. So my first job actually was in a bar, a great bar, actually, and where I learned excellent communication skills and how to manage drunks. And I guess that gave me some qualifications to be hired in the recruiting staffing business. So, that was my first job. The company in downtown Pittsburgh was a predominantly APF agency. APF means applicant pays the fee. Of course, the fees at that time weren't very large, anywhere from three dollars to $5,000. But the candidate had to pay the fee up front in full before they started the job. And if they didn't, they couldn't start the job. Now, that might sound kind of mean, but if you think about it, at the time, people were investing $20,000 more, $40,000 in their education, what's another $5,000 in a career? So we knew how to sell APF, and we were very successful at it. So I worked with that company, 60 employees. It was predominantly direct hire and was very successful managing three departments, and about 16 different recruiters Um, my husband had a dream of coming to california because he is during the day his day job ended up being a a private investigator but he was a comedian at night and wrote for rodney dangerfield and felt the only way to really make it big was to either go to new york or los angeles and los angeles won. so we come out to los angeles and i opened an office for a company that whose president or CEO, I should say, was my original mentor at the first company. So I opened his first office in Encino, California, and it did so well that I think it was eight months, 10 months later, we opened another office in Orange County. And the person that they brought out from Indianapolis to run that office was Bob Hugliano, who ended up being president of CAPC at the time, which was CSP in the old days. Anyways, and then they continued to open additional offices. And three years later, I opened my own. And I opened my own because I experienced something was humiliating and humbling, and everyone should go through it once. And that was, I was fired. (laughs) And that's another story in itself. But I didn't embezzle, okay? And if you heard the story, you'd probably say, oh, they should have never fired you. In fact, the CEO, many years later, who I saw in Chicago said, Kath, why did you ever leave us? And I said, because your president fired me. He had no idea. But anyways, so I opened my own. And, and after, let's say, four years, I then opened a second office in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, because I could use the ride off going back to see family and friends, and that agency then had a staffing temporary component to it. And I had that business for about five or six years until I sold it to my partner back there. I've worked in many different segments of and disciplines from nonprofit to engineering to aerospace. And about 15 years ago, found a niche that I just absolutely love, which is actually the landscape commercial landscaping industry, and that pretty much brings me up to date to where I am today, Michelle.
2: Well, that's um, that's it's quite a whirlwind, um, and and it's interesting you took some lemonade uh, and and made it into you know you made it delicious. I mean, you 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 took a lemon squeezed it for all it's got, and then made delicious lemonade by starting your own firm, um, by being very successful despite, you know, having some setbacks. And it is interesting, your story about how you, you know, you you moved into the staffing, a paid APS format. And um, a lot of people don't even know what that is. So that was great that you uh, explained that. You had success all along, really early, um, in a sense. When it, Once you found your place, what was kind of crystallizing for you when you really felt like, oh, I have really hit this. I have really hit this. I am successful.
1: Well, you know, it's really interesting. And I think this is something most people must realize is it doesn't come easily and it doesn't come quickly. Okay, the first six months are a struggle. And back in that day. Your database was a telephone book and you had a phone. It was a landline. I'm trying to remember whether it was a I think it was a push button. Okay, but you had to go out through the yellow pages in the library because there was no Internet back then to find your account. And you had to call and call and call and call and make many calls before you got the job order. And also with the candidates as well. Although we did a lot of, a lot, spent a lot of money on advertising to bring individuals into the office. Okay, But I always tell people when I hire them, even back then, that the first six months are going to be trying. And not to judge the business from the first six months. Because if you can do well and survive shall we say that first six months because there's so much to learn you're juggling two sides of the fence you've got the candidate side and you've got the employer side so it's a double sale it's not a single sale you're not selling widgets and it will become exciting it will become a career and, and you'll know within the first six months whether this is the business for you or not the business for you and once you're hooked on it Then you can do anything. When I first started, I placed secretaries. Back then, we called them the admin department. And even to this day, uh, I believe that if you can be successful in that market, placing admin people, you can do anything. You can place aeronautical engineers. And I did that for several years. And then one day, my boss came to me and said, we need you to take over. The management department. That was, by the way, that was the boy department. It was, it was all men in that department. And I, and we didn't like them. The women didn't like them. They, they were cocky. They were arrogant. And there was no way I wanted to take over that department. And they said, well, the manager is going into the hospital for surgery and it's going to be for just about six weeks. And we'd really like you to do that. And I said, no, I don't like them. I don't want to do it. And he said, okay, let me put it this way. It's not a request. I went, oh, jeez, son of a gun. Well, I went over to that department, and we made more placements in the month that I managed them than they had in three months before. I broke all their records on the month. And so when that person was out of the hospital, he didn't have a job to come back to. (laughs) Anyways, so my suggestion to people is, In order to succeed, okay, you really need to think outside the box. You need to surround yourself with good support. Now, that's interesting because that support may change over the years, okay? Maybe initially it's a mentor. It's someone who's trained you in the business. And then maybe later it's, believe it or not, I've had clients that I've really looked up to that have been able to share information with me. Probably the last 20 years, the support has come from colleagues of mine that I have met through CSP, through the association, okay? And they have been supportive in many ways, whether it's a day where you're struggling and you need somebody to lift you, or where you're face the situation, you're too close to the trees to see the forest, and you need somebody to have a different perspective, or you need someone to tell you you're reacting. Take I can't tell you how valuable those people have been over the years, especially with the association, because they're going through the same thing, and the collaboration is You can't put a price on it. That's all I can say. But that's why in 2001, I created the first owners-only retreat because I envisioned this Camelot roundtable where owners-only could get together and brainstorm. And a week before that first owners-only retreat in Vegas was to occur, this is a week, sorry, it was a week after 9-11. So now 9-11 has occurred, the entire country is devastated, and I've got a retreat scheduled in Bay the week after. So, of course, it had to be because nobody was flying, and the only date they open was the date before Thanksgiving to reschedule it. And so I reschedule it thinking two or three people would show up. I'd be lucky to get that. Seventy-five people showed up to that event. And of course, as you know, Michelle, it has become an annual event every year. But it, it goes back to being able to collaborate with people in the industry that can give you so much valuable information. And everybody, usually, is especially in the association, they're willing to share. Uh, they're willing to share openly. You so go.
2: you've had you've had uh, so many mentors. You can't even count them. It's sounds I like can't, you know,
1: yes. Now and it's by- vice it. Yeah, there's probably one that I call a mentor, but there are so many collaborative friends and colleagues that I can, and they change over the years, you know, because people retire or people move, they relocate. So some of them have changed, but for the most part, it's been a good ride. That's for sure.
2: The friendships are really, they really run deep. They run deep and, and, uh, I hear so many stories about people sharing and making money together. That's fun too. Actually splitting and sharing. Has that been part of your experience too, or has it mostly been on the mentor side? Have, have you people know, have mostly I, mentored I, you?
1: Yeah. I joined a split association for probably about five years. That was in 95. That's when I was doing a lot of business in nonprofit, and the tsunami hit in Sri Lanka, and then Katrina got hit, and I realized my nonprofit business was about to go down the toilet. And so I joined a split group and stayed with them for about five years, and and it was good. But then I realized that what I was starting, they weren't able to help me, and so I left the group. But for many industries, for many disciplines, such as medical, IT, engineering, uh, there are some great split networking groups. So especially if you're a solo owner and you don't have anybody working with you, they, too, will have conferences and people get to know each other on a more personal level. So They can, they can be good. Well,
2: how did you... This this niche that you you love you know you you love it I mean and of course you came up with the name the focus agency because I guess that would be interesting how you came up with your of your agency and also how did you pick your niche or did your niche just kind of pick you I mean because you well, you shared so you. much sh- yeah
1: so I I'll be, I'll begin with the name it's interesting because my company name in California initially. You got to listen closely to this, was Ambuco. And you think, Ambuco, what the heck's that? Well, at the time, California was regulated by the Bureau of Employment Agencies. All your forms had to be approved. Every form in your office had to be approved, and your name had to be approved. So initially, I wanted Concord, because Concord means harmony. The Bureau said, no, you can't have that. Somebody else got it. I said, okay, how about American Concord? No, I can't have that either. Geez, crying out loud! Okay, how about American Business Concord? They said, okay, you can have that. Well, that's a mouthful. So I took the first two letters of each word and came up with Ambico. Well, it does sound like a transmission shop, but it worked for uh, you know a number of years. And then when I opened up Pittsburgh, I realized I didn't want that name. So I was sitting at a conference actually uh the national conference national association of personnel services with uh someone that i had gotten to know and we're sitting just before the keynote started and she said have you figured out a name for your new business in pittsburgh and i went no i can't what do you think of this ah that's not very good what do you think of this path? Ah, that's not very good okay so i went to a session and the person leading the session says look I'm going to teach you all how to be focused. And I went, oh, my God, that's my name. And that's how I came up with my name. And then, of course, I changed my name in in California to also be focused. So that's how focus came about. Now, with regards to the niche, and I'm in the landscape business. So one day I came back from lunch and one of my employees came running to my office and said, hey, somebody called that. Wants us to help him find managers. And I said, okay, what's the name of the company? And they told me the name of the company. I said, I don't recognize that company. Who is it? What do they do? And she said, they're in the landscape business. And I said, we don't place people in dirt. And I turned around and walked away. Well, they came running after me and they said, he really sounds legitimate. He says he's the regional vice president. Please just call him. Just call him. Oh geez crying out loud, all right of call. And it turned out it was the regional vice president, what is today the largest commercial landscape business in the entire United States of America. I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars, okay? And that was the start. And so once we started in that industry, we realized we really loved it. And we took it nationwide, so our clients are all over the United States, companies from three million dollars, not too many at that at that uh, volume, but sometimes we will work with a company that's that small. I would say our sweet spot is a company doing seven to forty million, and then we do have relationships with companies that are larger than that and That's how I fell into it so once again, what I recommend to people is be open to change. Be thinking, is this something that maybe I should be looking at? There are certain industries you've got to be a little careful of. For example, if you're going to go into the bio research and you've never worked in bio research, you might want to be careful of that because if you do not understand their language, their vernacular, you will get shut down very quickly. Sometimes aerospace is the same way. So be open to the possibility, but be realistic at the same time. And if you're in one niche and it's not working, then look to see, is there an offshoot from that niche that maybe I could work in? You know, you don't have to go 180 degrees and say, well, this niche isn't working. Maybe I'll go over and and try this. Think a little bit closer than that. What else could I do if you're local, for example, and I've been instrumental in helping my colleagues with this. If you make local placements, take it to the next state. You don't have to go to New Jersey right away, but there's nothing to prevent you from doing that with today's technology. It's so much easier today. And if you can do it locally with today's technology, you can do it anywhere in the United States. So be open to growth, be open to change, be open to the possibility and just try it. you got nothing to lose. If you've got a client in, in California and they happen to have a branch in Washington or in Nevada or in Indianapolis, ask them if you might be able to give us, especially if you've been successful with them, say, you know, we're branching out. What can I help you with in Indianapolis and try it? You've got nothing to lose by trying it. It's not costing you anything, especially today in technology. There's very little cost associated with it except for the tools that you'll be using. That's my two cents on that, Michelle.
2: Oh, well, that's, that is so brilliant as far as I, I was thinking as you, were, as you were talking that you didn't want to take that call. You're like, oh, boy, I don't want to take this call. But you took the call and you, you kept an open mind and it opened up a whole new world for you. And yeah. that's kind of that's like your that's your song from your whole life. You didn't want to do the management of that yeah. group, and yeah. you took it at the ball and ran with it. So yeah. there's a theme coming here. Be, be really truly. You don't just walk. You don't just talk the talk. You walk the walk the talk. <laughs> Dealing with change it has been almost like your catalyst for success, which kind of rolls me into the next question is. You kind of already shared some things you would tell someone who knew or even your younger self about this industry and how to succeed because the the secret sauce for you I think is being open to change. But do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that if you were talking to younger cuz you're still very young. Younger Katherine Shepherd, what would you tell her? And what would you tell someone who wants you know, to be just like you?
1: Well, if I were talking to her, And I don't know that I'd do anything differently. Of course, we all look back and think, gosh, if I had turned left instead of right. I was thinking of this last night. As a matter of fact, if I had turned left instead of right, where would I be today? I think I would probably still be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I might have five children. I might have, you know, who knows where I would be. But I would say as far as advice to anyone right now is, keep your nose clean and remember this too shall pass. We all know that saying I have experienced probably four or five, maybe recessions. Okay. And I always remembered that. That was a little tough to remember in the recession of 2008 though. That was very difficult. And in fact, the recession of two thousand and eight, I believe the number was we lost fifty five percent of people in the staffing and recruiting business over that one. That was a tough one. But in most recessions, and including what we're experiencing now with the pandemic, okay, is it will come back and it will probably come back relatively quickly. Recessions go down, but they but they do bounce back up. This too shall pass, and remember that too. When times are really good, remember that, too, when you're making a lot of placements with one company and you're putting your eggs in one basket. And those other bas- little baskets, you're kind of pushing off to the side because that big basket's hiring a lot of people. This, too, shall pass. And when that big basket gets full, all of a sudden you've got to start going looking for work in those other baskets. And if you have just pushed them aside, it's going to be tough getting back into those baskets. So keep your nose clean. I was given that advice a long time ago when I moved to California by my mentor. Keep your nose clean, Shep, he said, and um, gave me a couple other little pieces of advice, too. I always remembered that. So be ethical. Don't take advantage of people. Learn from other people's mistakes. And that's something else, by the way, and I'm putting, I know, another commercial in for CSP. But that's something else that we do is we share our mistakes with our colleagues. And it's so valuable because that means you don't have to make that mistake. You get to learn from their mistakes. Anyways, yeah, it's been a great ride. And I'm not I'm not. Not yet. You know, so many people are saying to me, so, Kat, when are you going to retire? You know, I don't know. I have no idea. I have to think about that. What would I do if I retired? I have no idea. It's all I've known since I got out of college. If I won the lottery tomorrow, could I retire? I might think that. For sure. But for right now, I'm, in, I'm still doing the ride. So uh, I'll probably be around for... For a while longer. Yeah.
2: Well, that is a beautiful, a beautiful summary. And why would you retire from doing something you love? Well, I mean, you've you've achieved where you found something you're good at and you enjoy. And so keeping going forward, not to mention it, it's kind of I get the feeling you like to make money and it's fun to make money. But you also like the relationships you have. You enjoy the relationships so much. And and that's big. I think
1: that's that's true, Michelle. And it's not just relationships with colleagues and mentors, but also with the clients that you establish as well. Um, And it doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. (laughs) Not too many of them, where my employees will hear me throw my shoe against the wall because of a client that has frustrated me or candidate that is frustrating me. I mean, there are times when I have said there's got to be a better way to make a living, like driving a truck. That would be good. A definite income coming in every single week. And of course, we laugh, okay? We've got to always remember this too shall pass because those frustrating days, and there are not many of them, but there are those days that, that sometimes they're hard to get through and you think, geez, there's got to be a better way to make a living. But really, I think maybe, maybe there isn't really a better way to make a living. Yes, I love what I do. And yes, I am motivated by money. You know, as much as I loved working with the nonprofits, I would not be a nonprofit company. I like to make money. I would not do this for free. Now, I take that back. Have I done things for free? Yes. I just gave a client a candidate. No cost. But this kid was out of college looking for work, and I knew he would probably find a place for him in his company, and he did, and he starts Monday. And have I – think of the client relationship right now that has just escalated. And the and the young candidate that is forever grateful that I helped him get that first job. Okay, so there, you know, there are so many along the path that you're able to give kindness and do kind work and still make money, and still make money. So yes, it's a multitude of things, and I highly recommend people, but it's not for everybody. Okay, someone said to me when I first interviewed for this job way back when. then became mentors to ask me a question. He said, So, Miss Shepard, how do you feel about sales? And I said, That's the last thing I want to do. And that looked at me and said, well, You know, that's pretty much what this is. And I said, Well, as long as I don't have to sell vacuum cleaners, I think I'll be okay with it. And that was, again, the very beginning, that was the day of the interview, the first interview. So, it's not for everybody. There is sales involved and you've got to enjoy the sales aspect of the job. And if you enjoy the sales aspect of the job, then you will love this business and you'll love the relationships you gain from this business.
2: When someone's listening to this freshly recorded or five years from now, anything could happen. As far as circumstances for, for folks that are listening If they are wrestling with what next step to take, what next step to take, they've kind of hit a plateau or they're burned out, or I'm sure you've you've mentioned you've been through good times and bad, and I'm really glad you shared good times are very important, but not to lose that, I need to be prepared for when they're not good or or something changes, and that's hard. What do you reckon for someone who's kind of plateaued, either just too comfortable where they are now, and they don't want to go to those small baskets. Yeah,
1: I would say, depending on the
2: time of year,
1: it's tough right now because of the pandemic, okay? But I would say, any call in the industry that you've gotten to know, call and ask to go to lunch. And again, it might be a little difficult now, but get them on the phone and say, hey, look, I'm going through a time, and here's what's happening, and... I need somebody to talk to. Or if it's close to a conference, don't even think about it. Go to the conference. I have become so motivated when I leave a conference. Even if you just get one or two ideas, that's all it takes because you'll be surrounded by people that are expecting the same thing you are or are able to give you an idea to bring you out or take you off that plateau. So if you've got a chance and we've got... Uh, Michelle, as you know, we've got a conference coming at the end of October, and we need the energy, we need that synergy, we need new ideas, and I, I I can't urge you enough to make sure that you're there for it. But if if you're not able to go to a conference, because there isn't a, any conference, okay, just call somebody. Call somebody in the industry. Call somebody, and somebody you know, okay? Don't call some stranger, because they don't know what, you know, the Call someone or if it's in the association, you can call the main number and, say, hey, I'm new. This is where I'm located. Is there someone in my area you could recommend that, you know, I just brainstorm with? And I guarantee you that'll pick you up. That'll pick you up. We all have those days. They don't last very long, okay, unless you stay in that slump. You need somebody to get you out of the slump. There is help available. And I may sound like a therapist right now. And I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a call from someone and I've taken the time. We will all take the time to take that call. So just reach out, just reach out or maybe, I don't know, I guess my sister meditates. I'm not sure even how to word, but she meditates two or three times a day. Some for some folks, it's yoga, some folks, it's meditation. You know, there's so many different things available depending on, What's going to lift you?
2: Well, this has just been such a, a whirlwind of information that you shared. I mean, it's just been phenomenal that you uh, have just really opened yourself up and and shared your secrets to success. You have you've just to, to recap some of the things that are golden nuggets that you just shared for someone maybe who is listening who is this has been their little mini vacation at their desk or while they're driving to help them get through? You shared specifically to be open. So, we want to remind those who are listening today be open to a lot of new opportunity. The other thing you shared was thinking out of the box and as far as reaching out to other people too, and reaching out and sharing. Any other nuggets that we can kind of leave our listeners with that you think would be really valuable or do you, those are three big things and you know, share, you know, reach out and share, think out of the box, be open to change, be open to new things, be open to trying any other nugget.
1: Yeah, Michelle, just, just have fun. Remember this too shall pass. Okay. So you've got to be prepared oh, to on the other mm-hmm. side. And, just have fun. I mean, this business, this business is hilarious. If you think about it, absolutely hilarious. I I'll Tell you what, I have been in this business for a long time. Okay. And at least once a month, something happens that I have never experienced before. And sometimes it's absolutely hilarious, hilarious. And you've got to laugh. A sense of humor is vital. If you don't have a sense of humor, Do something else. Be an accountant. I shouldn't say that because I like my accountant. (laughs) But you've got to embrace it, okay? And you've got to enjoy it and you've got to have fun with it. And there is much fun to be had in this industry, I'll tell you. So, yes, this too shall pass and have fun. Just
2: have fun. Definitely. And and, uh, we just appreciate your time today. You've, You've carved time for us and uh, you've been so generous. Uh, we really appreciate your time, Catherine. I mean, you are, you are a visionary thinker. You are uh, one of the biggest CSP proponents. I mean, you are, you're just one of those people everyone picks up and you know, calls and looks for at, at the conferences that we do have. And we do appreciate you. We really, really do. And I, well, you,
1: thank you, Michelle. And thank you very much for having me. It's been a joy.
2: Well, I'm sure we'll be talking to you again soon, and I'm sure uh, you'll probably – we might get some questions from some of our future podcast listeners. So I- I'm sure that uh, if they have some questions, we can get them forwarded, and I'm you're so gracious, I'm sure you would answer them. Okay. All right. Well, have a good one, Catherine, and uh, thank, thank you all you. for listening today.
1: All right. Thank you again.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of CSP's Visionary Thinkers podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest thinker story. If you'd like to hear more visionary thinkers reveal their journey through the staffing and recruiting industry, please subscribe via your favorite podcast source. And please tell your friends and colleagues to tune in as well. For more information about the California Staffing Professionals and how we can help you in your staffing and recruiting business, visit our website at cspnet.org. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. Until next time, this is your host, Michelle Tasneri saying stay vital with CSP.